Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, who's your favorite kid-friendly Final Fantasy character? Mine's the Zone Eater! It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with it. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We have got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including a new animated series based on Final Fantasy IX, and of course, a bunch of new information about Metroid Dread. And then on Thursday, I promise we'll be talking about E3 2021 for the last time as we go through a list of what we did not see at Nintendo's direct but mark in the meantime how you doing i'm doing great i have to tell you patrick that is a bold promise that that is the last (laughs) time we're going to talk about e3 2021 i feel like it has been uh, a topic on our lips for months at this point it truly has i think we're going to be at a loss for what to talk about once uh, we've exhausted all of our e3 2021 topics I mean, it's just, I feel like this year more than previous years, and you can do this if you have a a list of all of our episode uh, titles, uh, you can see that we've recorded more episodes about E3 this year than any year previous. (laughs) Uh, And I don't know if it's just because we were like starved for E3 or what, but like, I mean, again, I'm just going to go back and say it. Like, I liked this show. I was so happy for the Nintendo Direct. It was big and I love it. Yeah. Oh, totally. But yes. Uh, this will be a good final hurrah for our E3 2021 coverage. And then the week following, we can finally start our much-anticipated E3 2022 2022. coverage. (laughs) Predictions begin now! (laughs) Uh, Speaking of coverage that we've uh, lingered on for far too long, my copy of Sonic Forces, would you like to borrow it? That was maybe the first actual transition that I've done into like (laughs) one that genuinely worked. Would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch? You can certainly try. All you have to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of this game for you to play as long as you like. Then you send it back. I pay for postage. Both ways, it is the perfect borrowing program with the following caveat. You may, instead of getting my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, instead get my copy of Untitled Goose Game for the Nintendo Switch. There's no controlling it. It's just something that happens. We all have to, you know, accept the fact that we are not in control of our own destinies, that the goose is driving, and that's uh, all there is to it. Um, Patrick, I have to tell you, one of the great things about us occasionally recording in person now, uh, we've been averaging about once a week, and the reason why it is so nice is because we went basically an entire year where at gmail.com never synced up. And so for listeners gained during that era, um, it must have been a very, like, confusing, annoying, like, thing that continued to happen. And so now we refuse to stop doing or fix. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, now that we're able to record in person, we're able to restore balance to at gmail.com. I hope everyone who joined during that area understands now how delightful it is that we were out of sync for an entire year. 
<laughs> and I like that even though uh, now we, we are back in a world where we can be together, that we are not always just, you know, it is uh, genuinely, it is easier to record these things together, but it is more convenient to record them from our respective <laughs> homes. Um, so, uh, you know, I, we're, I, I feel like we're probably going to keep this schedule for a while, right? Yeah, I think like so. This, yeah. It's just, um, so yeah, I'm saying that uh, we you get the magic of it not lining up and the magic of it lining up in equal measure here. So you're welcome. <laughs> Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It helps people find the show, um, and that's like the most important reason we ask you to leave it. The fact that it makes Patrick and I feel good about ourselves that's just mm-hmm. like a bonus effect. Yeah, and I mean, th- that's a great bonus effect. Uh, obviously, very few people are going to see the effects of that other than Mark and myself. Maybe our partners will also uh, uh, see-, see that reflected a little bit. Um, but yeah, leave us a five-star review on uh, the uh, U.S. Apple Podcast uh, store or wherever you get your podcast. That's really the only place that we check. Um, so if you review us somewhere else, shoot us an email, Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. At gmail.com. And uh, let us know that you did that, and we'll give you a shout-out on the show shout outs all around we love handing them out um mark uh speaking of shout outs is not uh, a shout out um we got an email from lizzie and lizzie's got two questions for us uh so i figured we should uh, address them both um lizzie writes hi mark and patrick i hope all is well with you now that i am a college graduate congratulations lizzie congratulations um, and have a lot of, <laughs> and have a lot of time on my hands. I have returned to my Animal Crossing island. I took a big gap from about February until May, so I missed a lot of events, including the Mario 35th anniversary event. To my surprise, however, when I logged in, all the promotional items were still available. Even now after I've downloaded the wedding season update, I still see them in my Nook shopping portal. Have either of you noticed this in your Animal Crossing game? Has anyone heard of this, or do I just have a lucky glitch? Um, Lizzie, this is exactly what I experienced, too. Um, So it was a little bit unclear at the time when they uh, put out the Mario 35th anniversary um, items, whether it was going to be a limited time thing or if they were forever. It seems like maybe they're forever, um, which is great, because it is one of the few events where there are so many things that are like cool uh, and that you want probably multiple copies of. I've got uh, a set of everyone's outfits hanging in my arcade in my attic. Um, That is to say a Mario outfit, a Luigi outfit, the princess outfit, and Wario. Don't forget Wario. Um, So yeah, uh, not a lucky glitch, Lizzie. Uh, They were just, it was a part of Mario's 35th anniversary that they were feeling generous and didn't restrict time-wise. Yeah, it's um, uh, one of the few vestiges of Mario's 35th anniversary that we'll be able to point to in a decade and see, like, this is proof that it happened. We weren't, we're not crazy. That and my uh, Mario Game & Watch, of course, which I will <laughs> of course. still own. Of course. I will still be working, of course. Um, and then Lizzie's second question. She says, also, and this can be answered at a different time if you want. Lizzie, I don't want. I want to discuss it now. Um, I wanted to ask for some Tetris 99 tips. I love the game, but I've never been able to get the elusive first place. Patrick, you seem to be a master at it, considering how often you say you win. Got any tips? Uh, thanks to you both, and happy uh, almost E3, she wrote uh, as the email came in uh, before E3. Uh, Mark, we will be talking about uh, Tetris 99 just a little bit later in this episode. Should we save my tip uh, section till, till that part of the, of the show? 
it's totally up to you. Because look, I, I I have no good advice here other than embrace the struggle, which is uh, what I do. Um, and so, Patrick, if you if you want to save those nuggets for later, you want to do it now. Who am I to get in the way? Um, okay, I'll I'll do it now. Okay, here is how I play Tetris ninety nine to win. Um, first, you need to focus on the fact that you are playing battle Tetris. So playing the cleanest Tetris is not the best move. You want to play fast more than anything. Um, so if you are used to playing Tetris by yourself, um, so that you are just very carefully always lining up full complete Tetrises, that's great. You can get some big attacks in that way, um, but it's not going to give you a lot of frequent attacks. You have to be dropping pieces as fast as you can basically all the time. Um, so that's rule number one is play fast. Rule number two, set yourself up for combos. Um, so when you do uh, a like double line clear after a Tetris or a Tetris after a double line clear, um, you're, going to, you're going to deal more damage to your opponent. And with every like additional combo, right? Every additional like set of line clears that you do by dropping an individual piece, um, the damage that you deal goes up by one. So if you can get like three or four scores in a row, by the end of that, you are dealing uh, just an insane amount of extra damage. So combos are uh, also super important. The last, uh, the third and final tip that, that I have is keep an eye on the attacks that are coming into you. So you can see that like meter on the left side of the, uh, of the grid um, showing you how much damage is coming in that you're going to have to deal with. Um, and don't be afraid to uh, like start executing on your um, line clear combos or like uh, throwing down a Tetris early to get rid of some of that. Um, especially if you're getting like higher up, like it, it's okay, okay to play defensively sometimes. Um, but, uh, always if you're setting yourself up for combos and if you're playing fast. Can I ask a question here, which yes. is, um, do you bother, like what setting do you use for targeting, right? You can choose to target like randomly. You can choose to target the, the, your attackers, um, for badges, for KOs. Do you really bother with that at all? Um, I used to, I used to, I used to bother with it. I used to think it really mattered. Now I just set it to random. Um, I, I either set it to random or attackers and I don't think attackers helps me at all, but I, it, it like feeds the vindictive side of me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where I'm like, I will hurt the, the person who hurts me. Um, but yeah, I, I think those, I think there is less strategy in who you are targeting than there is in the fact that you are able to just deal a bunch of damage. Got it. Um, so Lizzie, thank you for the question. We also got an email, um, from Lewis, um, and Mark, <laughs> this will also be a question that I turn to you. Um, but, uh, Lewis asks, Hey, Patrick and Mark, I don't know if you've already heard from any UK based listeners, but I pre-ordered Skyward Sword and would be happy to mail you the steelbook cover if you want it. It might, uh, it might be worth mentioning that for other UK folks, if you pre-order the game, you get that a key ring and a shirt, as well as the moral joy of not supporting the dystopian mega corporation. I did it mainly for the shirt. So I guess it's not ordering it from Amazon, uh, which is smart. Um, and yeah, and the, uh, the, thanks, Lewis. So, Mark, here's I, I, I did sort of jokingly say if anyone wants to send me the steel book, um, should I take Lewis up on this? <laughs> I think if Lewis doesn't want it, then yes. um then yeah i totally think you should 
Okay, but Louis, you have to truly not want it. If yes. you want it even at all, don't send it to me. However, if it's like, if it hurts you, if it, you know, blinds you a little bit to see it in your home, then yeah, okay, I'll send it along. Um, uh, but yes, uh, good to know that there is a key ring and a shirt that, that come along with, with this pre-order. Why do they get all this yeah. cool stuff? I know. I feel like Europe gets like the killer pre-order bonuses. Um, it's, uh, I mean, look, I, I, I think it's very cool. I order, I pre-ordered the, um, collector's edition, special edition, I guess, uh, for Metroid Dread. Um, and, uh, but that was extra expensive. The pre-order for <laughs> Skyward Sword, that's just a regular game price. Well, what are you going to do? Um, we also have emails, uh, from questions from Chariot Goblin and from Jake, um, which are all E3 related. So we are going to save them for our discussion on Thursday, um, about, uh, what we didn't see at E3. If anyone else wants to uh, get in there and email us, you can uh, get us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. And as uh, we've noted before, this is the final time we the will ever <laughs> talk about E3 2021. So if you have anything to say about it, this would be your opportunity to send it in. Right. It's, I mean, we, we are bringing in a priest. He's going to say, speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> That'll be the end of it. All We're right, getting Mark. married to the yep. idea of not talking about E3 2021. It's about time we tied the knot, frankly. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing. Mark, 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 I have got Metroid on the brain. Uh, I got super excited uh, with the announcement of, of Dread. I was further hyped up by the mad rush to get the uh, special edition um, and also tried to get the Amiibos. That didn't work out. Uh, Matt Acevedo actually ended up coming in uh, in in a pinch here uh, and actually do, was able to secure a pre-order for me for the Amiibos. So I don't know. I'm all in on this game. Uh, but it means that I am now like, okay, I want to go back through. I want to mainline the series. So I've been playing Metroid Zero Mission on the uh, GBA. Um, through my Wii U, um, and I have completed the part, uh, the portion of the game where you are in her power suit. Um, so I am now in like the zero suit Samus uh, portion of that game, um, and I was uh, surprised at how quickly I was able to get through the power suit portion. Do you remember how short that is, Mark? No, I think of it as being like pretty substantial. That's what I thought too. But I, I've been playing for like two and a half hours, and I'm in the zero wow. suit. Yeah. It's so funny how, like, parts of that, like, just parts of games, like, stick in your mind, and they feel like such, like, an important, like, big part of it. That's so weird. Yeah. Um, I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hit all the games here. Um, it made me wonder if we should do something. We'll, we'll do some sort of uh, Metroid episodes um, leading up to the release of the new game. Um, but uh, it's, I, I, I really, um, it's a, it's a series that I know has a special place in my heart, but I don't like often actively think about it. Um, partially because the game, it's so infrequent that the games come out. Um, but man, when, when I'm playing one, I just, I, I get obsessed with the gameplay style, with the way it looks, with the way it feels. Um, fighting Metroids in Metroid zero fusion is so rewarding and so chaotic. And the way they come in out of the background um, in this very like GBA kind of way, um, it's just so rewarding and uh, like fun and exciting. I just I love the game. Zero Mission's a great game. I think it's it my rules. favorite Metroid. I um 
would love, love, love for Nintendo to release GBA games on the Switch so I can revisit some of these easily before um, Metroid Dread comes out. But I, it feels to me like uh, Metroid Dread has a, a hype around it that I like was really kind of taken aback by. Like I know I was really jazzed by it, um, but uh, I just I can't really think of like a Metroid. I I it, I guess I'm surprised at how much like excitement there is around Metroid Dread a little bit. Uh, I, I yeah, I mean I I think it's cool. I I, I think it's 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 cool to see everyone, um, sort also like in engage with it in, in the same way that like I am, um, and be like, oh yeah, wait, I actually love these games <laughs> and I'm super excited for this next one. Mark, would you like to borrow my Game Boy Advance? I have cartridges for both of these games. Oh, do you know what? I might actually. That might be really yeah. fun. I haven't played on it like an actual GBA for I don't even know how long. That could be really fun. Um, because yeah, I I would love to replay these games, and I you know I think possibly waiting for them to show up on Switch could be a fool's errand. So any way totally. that I could play them would totally be worth it. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I've also uh been playing Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker. Um, which is a game that I absolutely loved on, on the Wii U, and I still think is probably the best way to play that game. Um, but I've been playing it on um, Switch with the uh, you know additional chapters uh, and stuff that, that came along with it. Um, and I am finding it to be a nice, like, relaxing. I'm trying to find, like, a, a Hades replacement, you know, a game that I can just, like, put on and sort of turn my brain off or at least, like, let my brain engage with something in a totally different way, right? Um, and uh, Treasure Tracker, I feel like, is going to be that, uh, but obviously for much less time, uh, because there's, uh, you know, a very, like, real limit to the amount of things you can do in those games. Um, but sometimes it's just very satisfying to rotate a little world around and find all the different ways that they want you to manipulate the space and collect things. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying Treasure Tracker. So I play, I've been playing Tetris 99. This last weekend was a new Maximus Cup. They kind of snuck it in there after we had recorded our news episode. Um, but there was a Maximus Cup this last weekend celebrating Metopia. So you could get a Metopia theme if you um, like got 100 points from playing Tetris 99. I don't know, Patrick, did you have a chance to play this one? I wasn't really blown away. Some of the, some of the themes I think are really fun. This one, like I'm glad I have it for like the uh, completionist aspect. But I yeah. didn't particularly like the music or anything. Um, so I did not. I forgot about it. You uh, mentioned it to me on Wednesday. Uh, and you were like, Patrick, just so you know, there's this. It was like your parting words to me as I was getting out of your car. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, no, I just forgot all about it. But uh, I have let Sarah know, because as we record this, it is, of course, still Monday night. Uh, and so the Tetris Maximus Cup is still on. Um, I let her know that if she felt so inclined to go in there and get it, um, she could do that. Otherwise, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get it done when we're done recording. Uh, the other thing I've been playing is I finally returned to Dragon Quest XI-S, Echoes of Elusive Age, Definitive Edition, for the Nintendo Switch. Um, and this time in the, I, I'm in the mood to complete it. Um, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, and so I think the last time I tried playing this was not too long after the game released. My memory is that I like finished Fire Emblem Three Houses and was like, okay, now I'm going to jump into it, but had just trouble getting into the game, only played like an hour. And right now I'm, only, I'm not like 
much further than I was the first time. But I can even, but I can tell already that I'm like in the right mindset to get into one of these like RPGs and knowing that I'm going to be like investing the time, getting to know the characters, all that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited um, for this. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely, we'll have, I think, more to talk about in the coming weeks. Um, can you tell me how far you are? Have you met Eric yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've met, okay. I've met Eric. Um, we went back to Heliodor and like did the stuff there. Um, and now we're on our way back to Cobblestone. Um, cause like the, okay. the, so I'm, I think I'm only maybe like two hours into the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's so fun to be back in that world of Dragon Quest. I, I really like the uh feeling of joy that like dragon quest games bring so yeah it's oh man i'm i'm so i'm so happy for you i'm so excited uh, for you to get to because I, I i like eric i think he's a a great character i think he gets so much stronger as the game progresses like starts off sort of generic um but uh you are very close or at least getting close to uh meeting veronica and uh serena um and when they like are added to your party um that's when like combat becomes way more interesting um because right now you have like your warrior and a thief who you basically there's nothing of value to steal in the game right like um, right so you can't just have two people fighting over and over again um and it just becomes so much more like involved and interesting as you uh add add the other characters in uh, and then, and then, man, Mark, when you when you get to Silvando, we got it. We got to talk Silvando. I love him so much. Yeah, and I I know I've heard such good things about Silvando. Um, I've been playing in like the three D mode. I haven't done like the two D classic mode. But if I'm remembering right from what you were saying, there are times where like the game takes you to that kind of like sixteen bit two D mode. Anyways, is that right? Well, I mean, there there can be. There's there's the whole um uh Talkington um uh side quest area, which is uh like takes you back in time through previous uh Dragon Quest games. We had to play like big events from the from those games in the sort of sixteen bit eight bit style. Um, and there's no way to play those in in uh 3D. Um, and you'll see the pacing of the game and the pacing of the combat is totally borked. Um, by uh taking it back to the classic style uh, uh-huh. um so like uh i thought it was like cute and charming when i uh, originally saw it but like it's just way more rewarding to play the game as it's actually designed can i ask you one more question how did you mm-hmm. have your character uh what kind of like combat did you do was were you like sword and board were you dual wielding were you like broadswords what did you end up doing um so i actually end up uh not really worrying too much about the hero um that uh like everyone else kind of falls into like um neat little things where you just like decide one weapon like it doesn't really matter whether you're like oh whips or wands and it's like who cares (laughs) you know (laughs) um but like uh i think the um broadsword is fun for the the hero uh the the two-handed sword um because uh eric Right, Eric can also use uh like re- regular blades, mm-hmm. um like s- sword and board, um but he can also use like boomerangs or knives, um uh it was just like the the broadsword that uh, you will get another character eventually who can use broadswords, um but he also has the ability to wield axes, um which are uh s- you know 
some of the more like powerful weapons in the game. So like I tend not to use those. But I mean for for everyone you need to sort of uh grow them um in multiple directions at once because there are very powerful abilities that you need to unlock from either side. Um so sometimes you end up leveling up abilities that you don't actually use just so you can get to something that you will. Oh man. Yeah, I I can totally tell that I'm in the mood for this cuz you're describing all of this and I'm in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm at like the very baby beginning yeah, of this are. game. And I nor and sometimes when I'm like starting a new RPG, it's like, ooh, that feels overwhelming. But right now I'm like, oh yeah, I, I can't. I love my ignorance. I'm reveling in it. Um, I mean, tr- truly, um, Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition does a wonderful job of slowly doling out its myriad systems to you. Um, and if you let it, the game can be incredibly complicated. Um, you know, there's the whole forging system whereby you can like make your own items from uh, raw materials, your own items and equipment. Um, and uh, like all of that coupled with the various like skill trees and just normal leveling up. Um, there are they, just so, so many uh, different ways to like customize your characters that also if you don't really care that much, you can sort of set to auto. Um, and so, like, it's it's just great the way it, it lets you invest um, as much attention as you want uh, and feel rewarded either way. Oh, one other thing that I'll say about it, and then we can move on, is just that the music kind of, like, thumbs down. Some of it, like, the main fanfare yeah. and everything, Dragon Quest classics, but a lot of it, you're just like, this is the same kind of, like, dinky tune going over and over. So I, I, I tend to listen, like, to a podcast or something while I've been playing yeah. just because the music is kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's weird that it's not more rewarding, right? Like, there's also, uh, like, a dungeon theme that's, like, really dissonant and, like, has, like, tough harmonies to listen to, to the point where you're like, is that a mistake? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. Especially for a game that is, like, so revered for its, like, aesthetic, um, that the music would be uh, not good is just odd. Um, all right, uh, Mark, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, June 22nd, um, Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX is released on the Switch eShop. I always confuse this with uh, like the Wonder Boy and Monster World series, but it's not. Uh-huh. It's a separate thing. Um, this is an old uh, Sega series, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then it's been like redone with, uh, kind of like, uh, like animated, um, styled graphics. It looks pretty cool. Uh, but I haven't played the original game that it's based on. I've never played any of the Alex Kidd games. Yeah. Me neither. Which is Uh, weird. I I feel like I I would have been really into them as a kid. Also today, um, Ender Lily's Quietus of the Nights is out on the Switch eShop. This is kind of like a Metroidvania that's been in early access on PC for a few years. The early reviews that I was seeing today were really good, um, and it looks cool. One thing that I thought was funny about it, though, is it takes place in a world called Land's End, and all I can think of is, like, the clothing store. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> I, and specifically what I think of is the catalog. Yeah, Land's yeah. Land's End catalog was a big thing for a while. And then uh, on Wednesday, June 23rd, Worms, Worms Rumble is released on the Switch eShop. Which we can talk about because uh, we're still in the window of talking about E3. That's right. That's right. Because it was revealed 
at E3 2021. We got to get those words in as many times as we can before Thursday's mm-hmm. episode. Uh, on Thursday, The Legend of Mana, uh, this must be the remastered version, is released on the Switch eShop. And then on Friday, Mario Golf Super Rush is released and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Um, which is a, a lot of uh, sort of exciting to actually exciting games um, in, in the mix there, um, which I don't know if, the, if Nintendo was just like waiting for uh, E3 for like, I mean, obviously some of these uh, release dates were um, are locked and loaded before, um, but like, you know, it just seems like we are now to the point in the year when uh, games are coming to the system again at like a pretty rapid clip. Yeah, it does. It does definitely feel like there's more of interest um, on these lists recently. Do you think you're going to pick up uh, Super Rush or Pro Skater? Uh, I won't pick up Pro Skater um, just because it's not, you know, uh, the Tony Hawk games aren't really um, my kind of game. But I think I want to play Mario Golf. Um, and I think it'd be fun to like get in and, you know, what well people are, are discovering the way the game works and, you know, get some multiplayer going. Um, what, what, what are you thinking? I'm a little bit on the fence about both. Like, uh, I think it'd be fun to revisit the pro skater games, but I'm going to wait for reviews on the switch versions and see how like the port Smart. is for suit for Mario golf. Like I am interested in getting it. Um, but I w- really want to make progress on dragon quest and I'm worried that like, I, I feel like I really have to have tunnel vision as much as possible to not get sidetracked. Um, and so I think I'm going to pass on Super Rush for now, but maybe once like impressions and reviews come out, if it gets really good reviews, maybe it's something that I'll like, I'll break down and buy. Um, yeah, no, that's a great point. I keep forgetting that you're playing uh, Dragon Quest XI S. Um, Mark, I would encourage you to stay on that boat for at least a little while longer because um, there, will, there will reach a point where it doesn't matter what other games you buy um you will just be in on Dragon Quest 11. So, um but y- you are not to that point yet. <laughs> um all right. Uh well, a bunch of cool games coming out. Um let's close out the new release section. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433 wherein a performer or a group of performers did not play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 4.33, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, we are today talking about... Um, oh, so I, I clicked away. We're talking about old TV slash syndicated TV shows. Uh... The examples given here are Three's Company, Dick Van Dyke, Cheers, Nick at Night, etc. This was uh, suggested to us by Dominic for our 433 episode. Um, Mark, how do you like them uh, old TV shows? There's a lot of them that I haven't really seen. I remember Nick at Night coming on, but I was I never really watched a lot of these shows. Like I never really watched Three's Company, never watched Dick Van Dyke. We didn't watch Cheers as a family because it took place in a bar um so like there was i i feel like i feel like these old syndicated tv shows the ones that i probably saw the most were like bewitched and i uh i dream of genie mm, yeah so just the magic related one <laughs> yeah the ones that are the basically the same show just one mm-hmm. is a genie and one is a witch 
Um, I watched a ton of Nick at Night as a kid. Like it was uh, some of my favorite uh, TV. Um, and uh, you know, I'm old enough that uh, seeing Cheers on the list here, I was like, I, I don't, I personally don't think of that as like, uh, I, it obviously is an, an older uh, TV show, but like, you know, is is squarely an '80s TV show. Um, whereas obviously something like Dick Van Dyke is so much earlier. Um, but I love Dick Van Dyke. I, uh, love Mary Tyler Moore. I love Lucy. Um, uh, and all the other, the, the Lucy show, uh, thought that was great. Um, I used to watch, uh, Dragnet and, um, Get Smart. Uh, but I would be bored by Dragnet because I didn't get that it was funny. I didn't get that Dragnet was funny. I just thought it was like a serious show about cops. <laughs> Wait, I uh I don't think I knew the Dragnet was supposed to be funny either. It's like deadpan. It's it's a it's a half hour like deadpan cop comedy. Oh yeah, I had no I had no idea that that was the case. Uh, which, you know, is especially hard for a, a kid to track that's like seen uh the um Naked Gun movies or uh like Get Smart where like these are obviously uh crime-solving uh comedies. Uh, and dragged it was just too too straight lace for me. You know, w- one thing that even though I haven't, I didn't watch a lot of these shows extensively. Um, there's a YouTube channel uh called Pop Arena, and um, the gentleman who runs it, he makes these like really in depth episodes that are usually like they're like forty five to fifty minutes, um, depending on the show. But basically, that like uh he calls them knickknacks uh because Nickelodeon Nick uh like Nick at Night. And they would, uh, he, like, documents the history of, like, the entire show. So, like, I've watched one about, like, Mr. Ed, about, like, Inspector Gadget, about um, the Dick Van Dyke show. Like, all that kind of stuff. And goes into Lassie. Like, goes into, like, really in-depth about the creation of the shows, the legacy of the shows, their uh, time on Nickelodeon. I really, if anybody is, like, halfway interested in this kind of stuff, I really recommend checking it out. It's a really interesting channel, and the guy does really good work. Um, that's really cool. Uh, it's y- you mentioning uh, Lassie and Mr. Ed um, also reminded me how much I did not like the shows that were about <laughs> animals. Because they're not good. <laughs> they're not good. They're not good. Well, it's interesting to listen to, like, um, there's some talk about, like, why Nick at Night became a thing. And some of it was like, yeah, they were trying to find programming that would appeal to children, but also to their parents. And so these like old shows some of them were like oh yeah they remember parents remembered them from growing up and then kids could appreciate it because it was a dog it's so funny because like it's the same sort of thing where like you know a uh, uh, rug the new uh 3d animated rugrats is on paramount totally Plus, and like everyone has this like criticism of it like oh they're just milking nostalgia but like heads up that's what nick at night was <laughs> right like <laughs> this brand has been doing this since it beginning um so like don't get upset about it now because you loved it then you i don't know um yeah that's that's all uh that's oh we're done (laughs) uh we were accompanied today by pianist kyle shaw um sometimes i wish we could just talk about old old tv shows and mark by the way i'm proud of us for not bringing up uh murder she wrote or columbo (laughs) (laughs) all right mark let's get into the news According to Kids Screen, uh, which is a website that I think 
the universe is just learning about now, French animation company Cybergroup is developing an animated series adaptation of Final Fantasy IX in conjunction with Square Enix um, that's aimed at 8 to 13-year-olds. There's no episode count or length of the episodes yet, but uh, according to the production company, they're aiming for production at the end of 2021 or early 2022. So this is still a few years off. Um, It's quoted in the article saying, Final Fantasy is one of the most popular kid-friendly video game franchises ever, which I guess is true on all the technical merits. It just doesn't feel right. I mean, is it even that popular? <laughs> like, and yeah, the the kid friendly part I do find a little mind boggling. I guess the games are always rated T, right? There hasn't been an M rated Final Fantasy, I don't think. Yeah, I yeah, I, I don't I don't think so either. Um, and you know, like they set like Final Fantasy fifteen sold really well, right? Like Final Fantasy yeah. fourteen, the online MMO has been going strong for like uh years now but i feel like and i don't know very many children but i feel like the final fantasy has like aged up with its audience like i feel like its target audience is like um 30 something and it played the games when they were younger and just have kind of like progressively gotten older with it um I, i i agree that i think the the older games had a more like a uh, kid-friendly vibe. Like even when the story got dark, thanks to like it's chib- chibi graphics. Um, you know, like I think final fantasy nine is a perfect candidate for something like an animated series. It just struck me as really strange to have final fantasy described as like a kid-friendly, kid-friendly. video game franchise. Well, and like, I think put a little asterisk next to that. Cause like, I think you're right aesthetically that like it final fantasy nine looks more like uh, a kid-friendly world to tell stories in. But you got to remember that that game came out in the year 2000. (laughs) If they're aiming for 8 to 13-year-olds, that at the very, like, that's seven years before even the oldest of them was born. Like, it is a relic of the past. Um, And it's it's weird to see them try to, like, surface that as... uh, something that they want to like draw eyeballs back to i do feel like though if you are going to make an animated series out of a final fantasy game nine is definitely the one that uh especially like one that's aimed at a younger audience like nine is definitely the one just going on character you know like models alone yeah uh, the one that you would go to because like which other one are you gonna do like eight you're gonna make an animated series about no, definitely not eight well, I mean, you might, but that's a different product. That's <laughs> not intended for children. I mean, there's, uh, I would say four uh, would be a pretty good, like, could could be a pretty good animated show for kids. Um, six feels too mature in, like, what it actually delivers, as does seven and eight. But, like, it's, I, that's sort of the thing that is so interesting to me, is uh, seven has obviously been resurfaced as like another place where they can and sort of always right is always a a a game that they're putting out spinoff games for um and so therefore a world that they want to explore further or find value in uh, exploring and exploiting further but i i don't think there is a second final fantasy 9 game in any form 
Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think so either. I can't really think of other times that they. I mean, maybe in like the Final Fantasy world or some of those games where they combine like characters from all of the different yeah. entries. Maybe they show up there, but yeah, it, it's not like there's like ah yes, I turn here for the continuing adventures of the characters from Final Fantasy IX. Uh, the continuing adventures of Zidane and Dagger. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> so yeah, this uh, it's an interesting concept. I'm uh, I you know I still think it's a few years away before we see the final result, and um, but like it will. I am super curious as to what it turns out like. There is a character in Final Fantasy IX that I think is uh, a little bit underdeveloped in the game. Who's very cool? Her name is Beatrix. And she is uh, in the princess's like royal guard, uh, and she's just super cool. And so, if they develop her at all in this series, like I'm there, I'll watch it. Do you think in in your head? Do you think of like um, Metroid as more kid friendly than Final Fantasy or like The Legend of Zelda? Like if you like, I, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around what does it mean to be kid friendly. I think Zelda is more kid friendly. Mm-hmm. I think Metroid is not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet, as children, we enjoyed yes, it. Yes, we greatly. played them all. <laughs> I mean, as children, we were going to sleepovers and watching Friday the Thirteenth. So, like, I don't know. We did it wrong. <laughs> uh, last week, last week, we talked about how no new quality of life improvements were revealed for the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD and Nintendo's E3 Direct. Um, you know, like uh, Patrick, you pointed out that when they were bringing out Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD, they were very like uh, pointed in talking about the different quality of life improvements, and we haven't really heard much from Skyward yeah. Sword HD on that front. And 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 specifically like gameplay things that they change to be less annoying, right? Like collect fewer um, teardrops, uh, you can sail faster, like all of these things that like change the actual gameplay it's not like a menu that's different um or like an option that's different it's like the game is fundamentally less annoying yeah and so while we still don't have anything like that like specific for skyward sword hd uh the U- nintendo uk website is hinting at a few quality of life improvements uh including quote refinements to player tutorials and general guidance throughout the adventure uh, refinements to player tutorials is promising because uh, one of the things that I feel like got in the way of Skyward Sword the little bit that I played before I decided I didn't want to put up with that anymore was the uh, over tutorializing that every single time you picked up an item uh, even if it were like a rupee or whatever it would tell you rupees are the currency here the green one is worth this many um, and I obviously didn't pay enough attention to remember that a green is just worth one, right? Green is one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so refinements to that, uh, if that means a few less of it, uh, then I'm all for it. Yeah, and I feel like that and the other like big complaint in as far as like um, tutorializing is, and maybe it's actually the same like uh, character who's giving all of this information, but like Fee or Fi, who's like your sword character. Clearly, I have never played this game. Um, although I guess the characters in this game don't talk out loud, so you wouldn't know how to pronounce the name anyways. But, um, yeah, and I feel like, like, that was a big complaint also. And so I, I, I agree with you. It wouldn't surprise me if that sort of stuff is what is getting toned down. Yeah. Um, we do already know that the game is running at 60 frames per second. 
uh, that it features improved motion tracking, the ability to substitute motion controls with like button and stick controls. And uh, by using the amiibo, you'll be able to flat fast travel from within dungeons back to the Sky Realm. Um, I'm kind of excited for this, you know. Uh, after the Breath of the Wild 2 trailer, um, I'm definitely feeling like there's more connections to Skyward Sword than Nintendo has been yep. like uh, explicit about so far. And it's rare that there is a new Nin- or a Zelda game that I've never played and didn't really like seek out playing it in the past 10 years. So um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, hap- I'm excited to give it a shot. Yeah, me, me too. And like, you you mentioning the sort of connections to Skyward Sword, uh, uh, to uh, Breath of the Wild too, um, you know, like that that is another thing that has like got my brain lit up, um, and just like you know the the last week has seen a lot of like sort of theorizing based on on the trailer, um, and it's been kind of a cool time to be just like paying attention to Zelda YouTubers and people who are like super plugged into this sort of thing, um. This dude Zeltic does a lot of like hyper in depth uh, like trailer analysis, uh, and I, I watched one his like immediate reaction to the uh, Breath of the Wild sequel trailer, and uh, it's it's amazing the things that some people can can pick up on. I'm so excited. Yeah, and I also feel like for me, like now is a great time to play Skyward Sword because when it first came out, right, like. Uh, whether it was true to the individual or not, there was this general sense of kind of like Zelda formula fatigue. But we've yeah. had so many Zelda games since then that have um, deviated from that formula, of course, like Breath of the Wild being the big one. And so to go like back to this more like traditional Zelda style, it feels like a great time to do it. Yeah. Like, I think it'll be easier to be more forgiving of uh, some of the game's faults, whatever they may end up being, now that, you know, we've had so much other zelda out there yeah and i mean that that is a great and probably like understated point that you know it's not just breath of the wild that went like totally off formula um triforce heroes is totally off formula and link between worlds is totally off formula um so like it's uh it it, yeah you are 100 right it'll be fun to visit a, a hyrule that is more in the vein of like explore the world do the dungeons use the items in the dungeons and repeat yeah, I mean, it'll be new Zelda dungeons for yeah. to me, you know? Like, that, that's, that's pretty exciting. Um, GameStop released the top 10 games that received the most pre-orders following E3 last week. Um, so run them down really quickly. Number one is Metroid Dread. Number two is Skyward Sword HD. Number three is Mario Golf on, for Switch. Uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shiny Pearl. Number five is Mario Party Superstars. Number six is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Number seven is Far Cry 6. Number eight is Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. Number nine is Madden NFL 22. And then number 10 is Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, And then uh, number 11 that they threw in there, I think, um, because they felt bad otherwise, is Halo Infinite. Oh, well, but I mean, why would any... Why would anyone buy Halo Infinite? Like, (laughs) you just play it on your Xbox Game Pass. The multiplayer is free without Game Pass. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, I was just going to move on to Twitter's top 10, unless there was something, mm, okay. or sorry, top five, unless there was something else you want to say about GameStop. Uh, just that that is a pretty cool, uh, it, it's amazing how much Nintendo there is on, on that list. Um, and, you know, it may be a function of 
the very same Microsoft thing that I was just talking about, um, that you could play a lot of those games just on Game Pass. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and f- further, um, you know, again, just love seeing Metroid Dread uh, driving this level of like excitement and uh, the, these numbers. Uh, is this the Metroid that finally like breaks through and becomes not just like a niche Nintendo nerd game? Uh, or do we still have to wait for Metroid Prime 4 for that to happen? I mean that that would be that would be so much fun if like Metroid yeah. became if if this was Metroid's opportunity to break out. It feels like all the ingredients are there, right? Like uh yeah. a series have had kind of like juggernaut sales on Switch. Everything's getting that Switch bump. Uh it seems like it could be possible. Uh also from Twitter is the most talked talked about games during E3. It's kind of interesting to contrast the two lists. So they have the top five here. The number one was Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel. Number two was Elden Ring. Number three was Battlefield 2042. Number four was Halo Infinite. Number five was Forza Horizon 5. Um, But uh, the most tweeted about game in 2020 so far at all is Genshin Impact. Uh, Which is strange. I saw a lot of um chat in the uh the nintendo treehouse live um you know the the live comment section uh on the the youtube video or even on twitch um were people (laughs) asking for genshin impact to be announced for switch um which is just i mean first of all uh all all of that conversation was just a a, a disaster um but it's weird it is weird to me how much uh chatter there is around genshin impact tons of it yeah, yeah, and it's just it it uh this list and the fact that Genshin Impact is the most tweeted about game of 2021 so far just reminds me how like narrow my understanding yeah. of the video game world is. Like there's so much out there that I will just never have the opportunity to experience. Uh yep. Uh is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel is that the furthest away game that people were uh cuz Elden Ring is coming out uh, in in January 2022, Battlefield's got to be coming out uh, like this fall or something, right? Um, and Ditto Halo, or at least it, it's slated for that. Like, uh, Z- and Breath of the Wild could very easily come out in February of 2022. More likely, uh, February 2023. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think so. I think so. <laughs> Yeah, it, it just it, it is interesting the way um, E three can create this sort of like hype that reaches so far in advance. You know, like it's not on this list, but like people are excited about Starfield that comes out in November of next year. So, yeah. A Japanese gaming magazine Famitsu recently did an interview with Yoshio Sakamoto, who is the writer of Metroid and Famicom Detective Club. Man, the Sak- Sakamoto's just having. A grand year. Yeah, he's having a good year. And uh, Makoto Asada, who's the producer at Mages, the development company who worked on the Famicom Detective Club remakes. And Asada expressed interest in making a new entry in the series, saying, quote, Our goal for the project was to create the pinnacle of 2D text adventure games, but we actually used development techniques originally planned for other games as well. Thanks to Nintendo and their development team, we made the best game we possibly could. But looking back, we were quite reckless. How will we ever make something this good again? He laughs. We developed a fair amount of know-how working on the game. Expertise I'd like to one day 
use on a new Famicom Detective Club game. Uh, Mark, come on, let's let come on, let's just let will this into existence. <laughs> I'm I'm into the series now. I'm a fan. I can't take it back. I know, me too. And you know, I I think um uh in Japan they released uh like physical copies of the game but it was a limited edition and they sold out like immediately it was been doing well on the eShop around the world uh i would love a new entry in this and just like we were talking about last week you know like we we've seen we have now seen the metroid dread method proven out in reality with mercury steam yes making uh the remake for metroid 2 and then eventually having the reins for a brand new adventure um and so, yeah, why couldn't mages follow in that same path? There's no reason. Yeah, exactly. We're living in a crazy new era where things that make sense are happening at Nintendo. So let's <laughs> let this be one of the things that makes sense. And let's get a new Famicom Detective Club, Club game uh, out of mages. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, I would love it. I would love it. Patrick, have you heard of this little thing called the Switch Pro? Mark, what is this? What are you doing? <laughs> On June 18th, the Washington Post ran an interview with Nintendo of America president Doug Bowser. And as part of the interview, he was asked about new hardware. Um, because, of course, like the Switch Pro was on everybody's mind in the days leading up to E3. Because there were really strong like rumors that uh, a new iteration of the Switch would be announced before E3. Of course, that did not come to pass. Um, but this is what Doug Bowser had to say. He said, quote, we are always looking at technology and how technology can enhance gameplay experiences. It's not technology for technology's sake. It's how specifically can technology enhance a gameplay experience? And then where do you apply that technology? Do you want to apply it on a current existing hardware or platforms? Or do you want to wait for the next platform? And then that's, and then what's the right gameplay experience with that? There's a host of factors that goes into it. And it's something we're always looking at. And then he also said, and, uh, quote, as we enter into our fifth year, Nintendo Switch really is redefining what a console life cycle can look like and the vibrancy of that overall life cycle with a strong cadence of content. Patrick, does this mean anything? No, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. This is masterful dancing around the question to say we make games for systems. Sometimes the games drive the systems, and sometimes the systems drive the games, and I have nothing to announce at this time. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't say it better than that. So should we just move on? <laughs> I mean, it's it's it's, it's tough. Like there's literally nothing to break down there. Like he just yeah. it's a uh, it is some gourmet word salad right there. Well, here's something we might be able to dig our teeth into. The Australia Classification Board recently rated a game called Castlevania Advance Collection. Yes, um, baby. Of course, Konami released the Castlevania Anniversary Collection in 2019, which collected the 8-bit and 16-bit games from the series. So could this be another collection, kind of like a sequel to that, that is collecting the Game Boy Advance and Nintendo DS games? Um, mm. Maybe like Symphony of the Night plus the GBA games? Uh, maybe it's the Lord of Shadow games from like the PlayStation Three era. I mean the uh, the fact that the word "advance" is in the title of the thing that uh, w was leaked uh, makes me think that it's just going to be the three 
um, GBA games, which would be an attractive package in in its own right. Like, I, I don't really think you need to beef it up with the DS games, or Symphony of the Night, or whatever. Would, would, all, would all be great, but I think this is an imminently sellable package at even as high as, like, 30 maybe even 40 bucks. Like, I think you could charge 40 bucks for three GBA Castlevania games. I think, I think you get I mean, I know that I would pay for that. Yes. Um, I haven't played those GBA games for such a long time and I would love to revisit them. Um, compared to like, th- even though the first packet collection had like eight bit games and 16 bit games, like it's still, there was a ton, ton, ton of content in that collection. And so to go from that to just like three games, um like i yeah, think they could get away with it but kinds it's, of games though I that mean, is like, true that is true you know they they're they're in the actual like metroidvania style where like none of the games in the original castlevania collection really are that argue like you could maybe argue that simon's quest is but like it's not really um but yeah i mean they they just seem like meteor games that you could actually spend some like real time with um, there are a bunch of games on the, at least two of the Game Boy games on there are like, y- you try them out one afternoon and then you're like, oh yeah, I never need to play this again. I could see like actually playing all three of the, uh, GBA Castlevania to completion. Mark, why do you think now, like uh, this is a, a time where I put on my tinfoil hat a little bit and be like, why is Konami now in this moment deciding that some of their Game Boy Advance games have value is it because mark i put this forth to you is it because nintendo went to them and said we are collecting game boy advance games for us to publish on our nintendo switch online service will you uh lend us your uh castlevania games and konami said wait people are interested in those we will publish them ourselves (laughs) is that possible it's it's totally possible like i've been saying like man i i hope someday we're able to play game boy advance games on the Nintendo Switch. There's such an amazing library of Game Boy Advance games, like even just Nintendo first-party games that would yeah. be fun to have on there. Um, yeah, I wonder if it's that or, you know, my uh, pre-E3 prediction is that Konami was working on a new Castlevania game for the Nintendo Switch uh, developed by like an indie developer in the same way we've seen them hand off uh, a couple of their other franchises. And so I'm going to say that that is my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, that the reason they are bringing this out is because they, they have bigger plans for Castlevania in the future. Yeah, perfect. So exciting. I mean, it's, the, the, the old uh, Konami games are just so cool and so interesting. And like, let's, let's see them uh, either brought over, the old games brought over to modern hardware or new games in those franchises. Let's just do it. I, although I have to say I am... I, I I hope this is not the Lords of Shadow games. I I, I no, I, yeah, we I don't never... we don't need that. <laughs> okay, all right, good, good, good. Just like we don't we do, just like we don't need Castlevania sixty four. Like some some things can just stay where they were. <laughs> um. Also, Australian Amazon leaked a new Lego Mario set. Uh, this one features an airship, a cannon to shoot Mario out of, out of, and Kamek. So uh, maybe it's just like the sun or the crazy spiders they have down there um, forcing people to accidentally leak uh, this, this new stuff. Uh, I, I think crazy spiders is a, that, that, that is a likely culprit. Um, honestly, I'm uh, shocked that toys don't leak more often. 
Well, they do. I feel like all the time, right? Yeah, like, they don't probably we learn, do. Yeah. Ha- have, I feel like we learn um, uh, about new, like, Star Wars or used to learn, like, new Star Wars characters or new, like, Star Trek characters <laughs> all the time from toy fairs and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and sometimes even spoiling parts of movies, like Anakin's arm getting cut off in uh, <laughs> right. Attack of the Clones. That's right. Just just from the toy. And, you know, they've got to print that and put it out months before the movie comes out. Uh, where is Bayonetta 3? And I don't know how much we want to talk about this now, or we can talk about it as I'm saying this out loud. Patrick, should we be saving this for our episode on Thursday? Uh, this is a great point. We are talking on Thursday about things that we did not see at E3. I would say Bayonetta 3 falls into that very category. Uh, I'm going to take the words Bayonetta 3 out of this outline and into the outline for Thursday's episode. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Then I shall say no more until Thursday. How's that for a teaser? Um, a cliffhanger even. Get everybody drooling in anticipation. For what uh, news we might have to report on Bayonetta 3. Nobody Google it. Nobody Google Bayonetta 3. Wait for us to give you this information. Show a little restraint for once. (laughs) Uh, With Metroid Dread acting as an ending to the story that began with the original Metroid game, one could reasonably ask the question if that means no more Metroid games at all. Um, But at a roundtable interview last week, Sakamoto eased those concerns, assuring the press that there is no interest in ending the series. He said, quote, the Metroid story until this point has dealt with Samus's strange fate that's been intertwined with this being called the Metroid. And until now, that's been the focus of the series. But what this game represents is a bit of a pause or kind of a new start to something else. Nobody wants the Metroid series to end, and we know that. We ourselves don't want that either. We want people to know that there is some kind of new episode that is waiting in the works. And we want you to look forward with what we do with that next. But there are no specifics for now. Uh, I'll do it. I'll do. I I will look forward to that. Sakamoto, you got me. Yeah, totally. And just hopefully, it's not another twenty years, uh, that we have to wait for that one. Um, it's it's very interesting what he says that like you know the and obviously he's right that like the Metroid series has been tied up in Samus's relationship to the Metroid and you know whatever happens next. Uh, that there's like still room. There's still like story to tell. Um. Does that mean we're in a world without Samus? Does it mean we're in a world without the Metroid itself? Um, without both of them? Like, is it just a, a universe that they're telling stories in? Or setting games in? Um, is it still called Metroid if there are no Metroids? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun to puzzle about, but ultimately puts us in the place of like, oh yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll keep making these games. Speaking of Metroid Dread, when the Amiibo were announced last week, the functionality was still a mystery. But, we, but now we know that if you scan the Samus Amiibo, you get an extra energy tank to increase your health by 100. And then additionally, the Samus Amiibo can be tapped again to receive health once per day. So if you need a little like fill up, um, you can just tap your Samus Amiibo. And then the Emmy Amiibo grants Samus a missile pack, a missile plus tank increasing your missile capacity by 10. And then additionally, you can tap the ME Amiibo once a day to replenish some missiles. Um, I believe that that is some of the same functionality that was in um, Samus Returns um, with... Uh, th- there were four Metroid Amiibo, right? There were the, um, the Samus Returns uh, Samus, the Samus Returns Metroid, 
the uh, Smash uh, Samus and the Smash uh, Zero Suit Samus, and two of them did similar things like that, where it, uh, it you know, it increased either your your health or, or your missile capacity. And one of them like unlocked the hard mode, if I recall correctly. Should I play the hard mode for for my um, Metroid replay? Yeah, why not? Give it a shot. Um, he says, knowing that he himself will never do it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was it's the uh, it's the Metroid amiibo um, yeah. that unlocks like the hard mode, and so th- it's interesting to see the contrast between. Um, I hope nobody takes a drink every time I say it's interesting because I think everybody everybody would be dead. So don't do that. I'll have to switch up my vocabulary. That's a goal for myself. But it would be, it is interesting to me <laughs> that uh, uh, the Amiibo for Samus Returns, the, you know, it, it locked a game mode behind it. And that was yeah. kind of controversial because of how difficult it is to get these Amiibos sometime. And then for this one, they kind of went the opposite direction where it's like, yeah, it's like a little bit of a benefit, but nothing major. So trying to figure out how you would like navigate those waters when you're trying to determine what amiibo abilities should be seems like it would be very challenging yeah totally i mean it's it does it does seem like a a good kind of amiibo functionality would be uh like in a mario game where it's like just scan this amiibo and like get get a specific mario power up you know the kind of thing that like yeah you would have to like go back to another level and try to find it somewhere otherwise um but like would still be accessible like the same sort of principle applies there where it's like oh yeah i can just use the amiibo um and then like feel that you've gotten some value out of it but i don't know the uh, locking functionality behind amiibo is such a strange thing because you always want to feel like you are getting something out of owning these things uh but they're also frequently impossible to find uh so in, in a perfect world um, where it was just you spending too much money on a, a, a gameplay feature uh e- even that uh e- e- even that feels weird um also for uh metro dread nintendo has opened an official teaser website that we'll link to in the show notes um it promises more information will be revealed with like regular updates about the game as we get closer to release the first one uh, i it's kind of cool if you're like as excited about metro dread as i am um it's kind of fun to just go there they have some high level information about the plot of the game and like the characters of the game. But then it also has these little like developer notes where it's like, Hey, like here's us giving like our little two cents about what's being presented here. Um, one of the things is they go into a little bit into the plot and uh, I'll just read a short portion of this, but basically they say uh, for those who have followed the series, you may have, you may have many questions about the story of the Metroid dread game. Does the X parasite truly exist on ZDR, which is the new planet where Samus is, why are the Emmy hunting Samus? How will the story of Samus, the Metroids, and their interconnected fates end? Of course, those who have not played Metroid before may not be familiar with the events leading up to the Metroid Dread game. Please know that the story of this entry in the saga can be understood on its own, so rest assured you are safe to begin your Metroid adventures here. Please know, Mark, please know this. I think it's important. Again, there has not been yeah. a, like a new game in this franchise for 20 years. It's kind of, uh, uh, it makes sense that they would be like, Hey, anybody can jump in. It's totally fine. You're not going to be lost. Yeah. Smart. Um, and it is a, a bunch of, uh, intriguing little questions that they have there. Um, I, I can't get over the little Nintendo quirk. I think they're the only company that does this 
where anytime that they are talking about one of their games, they always say, quote, the, and then the name of the game, game. So the Metroid Dread game, when they could very easily just say Metroid Dread. Um, they say that about like in, in the Super Mario Odyssey game. Um, I, I don't know why they do it. Mark, why do they do it? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I haven't, I haven't really noticed. Or should I, uh, oh, darn it. I think I just did it again. Yeah, everybody has their little quirks, right? Mine is to say interesting yeah, all the all time. Do. I'm having an existential crisis on this show as we speak. Um, finally. Mark, don't, wor- don't worry about it. You could be, you could be stammering with a, uh, every other word. <laughs> so look, we, we all have our, our quirks. Uh, and it's, I just did it right there. Finally, Pokemon Unite, the previously announced Pokemon MOBA, co-developed by Tencent's Timmy, Timmy, Timmy Studios, uh, will release, it's capital T, lowercase i, capital M, lowercase i. If anybody knows how that's supposed to be pronounced, give us a shout. Uh, it's it's pronounced fee. Um, the Pokemon Unite will release on Switch in July, followed by mobile in September, but progress will sync between the two if you sign in with your Pokemon account, which I assume you're going to have to or want to anyways. This game actually, I I don't think I'll ever end up playing it, but this game actually looks pretty cool, and I'm excited to see what kind of, like, um, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, um, tournament or, like, you know, Pro yeah, play the scene comes out of this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, it t- truly because like MOBAs are among the purest of esports, right? That they are uh, what what the biggest gaming leagues are about. League of Legends, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll be fascinating to see if Pokemon can actually enter that market, especially because it's already been such a big presence in tournament play sort of on its own terms right that like the pokemon card game or just actually battling within pokemon is already like a competitive sport with like a huge following it'll just uh, yeah i i i want to know and again it's i we you and i are so far removed from uh esports and from mobas and from pokemon uh but this will be a, a fun thing just to sort of watch from from the sidelines i think All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it greatly when you do. Also, uh, you have uh, just a little bit of time to email us about uh, E3 2021 before we stop talking about it forever. So you can send us an email at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. There's also a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers apologizing to all of our listeners in Australia, but you do got to watch out for those weird spiders. Thank you for listening.
it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Com. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. Yes, I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire.